If you need a Bible tonight, just raise your hand. We'll be in the book of Acts, but we're going to finish our series tonight, Standing Firm in These Last Days, as we talk about standing firm as a church. It's good to see you tonight. Just a couple quick announcements. Um, Of course, all of us, uh, I think, have seen uh, and heard of the uh, devastating floods down in the Houston area, and you know, not just, it's a large area that uh, Hurricane Harvey, as it made uh, landfall uh, at his Category 4 hurricane. Um, it was yesterday, was the 12th anniversary that Katrina hit. Do you realize that Katrina hit as a Category 3? And it went through pretty quickly. And the devastating flooding came from the levees that were breaking and... Um, and the system they had, the pumps and all that, that failed. That's where a lot of the flooding ended up happening, as well as a lot of the rainfall. Here uh, in Houston, particularly, they got some places over 50 inches of rain, um, which is about three and a half years, isn't it, of of, uh, precipitation we get here in Colorado. So we've seen the images of of many homes in a large area that uh, received... Uh, flooding, and uh, matter of fact, if you take that area and you compose it over Colorado, pretty much goes from the eastern border to the western border of Colorado. And so, uh, of course, uh, in some places the water is starting to recede. Some places the rivers haven't even uh, crested to its high point yet. And so they got a long ways to go, and uh, we want to be praying for everyone involved. Uh, people are pulling together. Um, different agencies, Red Cross, you know, of course, you have the National Guard, you have uh, first responders, you have the Coast Guard, you have the civil officials, everybody just pitching in, still rescuing people. I believe the death tolls up to 23. Certainly that's going to go up more. Uh, So when we see all that, we wonder how can we help. On our web page, there is um, a couple sources that the Lord leads you to be able to give um, to the relief efforts. And this is going to go on for years and years, just the rebuilding and cleaning up and, and all that that takes place. But Calvary Houston has opened up their church, and they are um, ministering to as many people as they can. So uh, they have set up a Hurricane Harvey Disaster Relief Fund. And everything goes to to relief. So you can go on our website, and there's a link to Calvary Houston. Also, Samaritan's Purse. Uh, In the 2013 floods here, Samaritan's Purse was on the ground, very organized, uh, very well done. There is uh, this sheet here that we have out on the information desk that gives you that um, web page that you can get on and click on Responding to Hurricane Harvey Donate Now link. And then also Calvary Chapel uh, Association is also doing um, donations that goes directly to relief. So those are some some means for you. If the Lord lays it on your heart, just go on our website. we got Calvary Houston, Samaritan's Purse. Uh, If the Lord leads you to do that, to be able to help, and uh, because there's uh, just a lot of help, it's overwhelming. You know, Houston's the fourth largest city in America. So you're talking behind L.A., Chicago, New York, four million people, six million people in the area. So a lot of people in that area, a lot of people displaced, a lot of people um, have lost everything, absolutely everything. Um, And so we want to continue to pray for them 
and uh, continue to pray uh, for more. There's, uh, matter of fact, I was reading in the news today, there's another uh, storm, uh, tropical storm that is forming out in the Atlantic. And uh, so they're watching that very closely to see it's headed west. We don't know the track of it. We'll know more this weekend, but uh, kind of some scary things that are going on right now. So be in prayer for them. We're going to be in Acts chapter uh, 2, if you'll turn there, for our study tonight as we finish up standing firm in the last days. Standing firm as a church is going to be the topic I want to read to you from chapter 2, starting in verse 40. Of course, chapter 2 is the chapter that records the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. Uh, as the Holy Spirit came upon those 120 disciples praying in that upper room. And all of a sudden, as we know that um, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was the response of the crowd wondering, what is this? Peter stands up. He preached very powerfully. He says, this is that which is spoken of. He quotes from Joel. He quotes from the Psalms. And then in verse 40, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. So, Lord, we come and we see the model of the early church, how um, there was power. Um, you were working. There were people being added to the church daily, being saved. And the early church continues steadfastly in certain things. That is a model that you have set up for us even today. It hasn't changed after 2,000 years. And today, as we read about all the church growth programs that are out there and see it, and I get information, and, and churches get pressured into doing certain things, Lord, we want to do things your way. We want to do things that please you and be about those things that you have modeled for us in your word, that we want to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to be sensitive to your leading. We want to be faithful to give the word of God. We want to be faithful in praying and fellowship and breaking bread. And Lord, I pray that our hearts, once again, would be reminded of these things, even though we may know them, but we want to be steadfast in them. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for um, Calvary Chapel Greeley and your faithfulness to us. And the work that you're doing in the midst of your people. And I know that you want to do so much more, especially in the day that we're in. And so, Lord, we pray for your guidance and wisdom in everything. Just remind us of these things. Stir our hearts once again of the priority of the church and what we are to be about. 
And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So when you look at the early church, particularly as you go through the book of Acts, it really speaks about the first 30 years of the church from the time of right after Jesus' ascension into heaven, the day of Pentecost, clear up until Paul, he goes into Rome about 60, 61 AD. So about 30 years of the church recorded in the book of Acts. But we also know that there was uh, just an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in that first century as we see the epistles that are written and Jesus' letters to the churches at the end of the first century there in the book of Revelation. And we can look at that and we can think, wow, you know, the the power, um, the miracles, things that were taking place. Uh, I wish that we could be like a first century church. And keep in mind, that when all that was going on, there was also problems that were going on in the church as well. We know that as we read the epistles, as we read the book of Revelation, the seven letters to the seven churches, and Paul would write corrective letters to the churches specifically. There was false doctrine. There was all kinds of challenges already coming in. But here, as we see the church get started, it was powerful, very dynamic. And as you journey through Acts, the church would spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then we see that Paul, the apostle, of course, after his conversion, would take the church, in the, uh, or that is the gospel, to the Gentiles on his missionary journeys. And many of those churches that we read about here in the first century were established by Paul and many others as well. So oftentimes, as we desire for there to be a movement of God and, and a working of God in the way that you see in the book of Acts, as we look at the model of the church, It should be a model of what we should be about in a day in which we're living in. And of course, I get, I've told you this before, you know, every single week, almost every single day, I get emails about church growth, about how to be dynamic, seminars that I could go to. I could literally go to a seminar every single week of the year on church growth and, and how to grow your church and how to, you know, be dynamic and a dynamic speaker and all these things. And I'm not saying all of that is bad, but I think as we look at the scriptures here, it tells us how it is that the church grew. As we read in verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. And what happens is, is that the church today can get so complicated with projects and it becomes politics and they try to get promoters actually behind the pulpit rather than what we see in the church at this time 2,000 years ago where there is purity and power. I mean, as you look at Acts chapter 2, we want to focus on verse 42 where the church continued steadfastly in four things. These are four things that I've taught on before. These are four things that we need to be reminded of. These are four things that we need to be aware of that we at Calvary Chapel 2,000 years later need to continue steadfastly in these things as well. And that word to continue steadfastly means a firm course of action. There's no departure from these four things. And it characterized the believers. It characterized the church. And this is what the early church was about. And the result was in Acts chapter 5, verse 28, that when the apostles were taken before the religious council, they said, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, that is, with the name of Jesus Christ. 
And wouldn't that be wonderful if it's said of us here at Calvary Chapel, as well as other churches here in Greeley and Weld County, that we would fill northern Colorado, fill our state, fill our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe we're doing that more and more as the church grows, as we're out on the radio, as we're desiring to reach out to this community, as we go to the park and do VBSs and stuff. I want to continue to fill this community with the gospel message and with Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that's what they were being accused of in Acts chapter 5, verse 28. Then in Acts chapter 17, Paul on his second missionary journey, they would say, the ones who were coming against Paul in his ministry, he, they would say that you've turned the world upside down. You've turned the world upside down because of the gospel that is spreading to the known world. And so as we look at these four things, we are to continue steadfastly. It's not a difficult thing. And what can happen is churches can get away from these four things. And we here at Calvary Chapel, if we're not careful, we can get away from these four things. So I think it's important for us to consider them and to hear what the Lord is saying to us as, first of all, they continue steadfastly. They did not depart from it. They were continue Every day, there's no departure from what they are doing. Number one, the apostles' doctrine. Second of all, in fellowship. Thirdly, in breaking bread. And fourthly, in, in fellowship. Four simple things that the church was about, but it was a powerful church, and it began to spread throughout the known world, and there were those being saved every single day because they did these four things. They were steadfast in them. Number one, the apostles' doctrine, teaching of the Word of God. We've already talked about this in our first week of our series. And, and I really pray that this series that we've been doing, Standing Firm in the Last Days, has been a blessing to you. In week number one, we talked about the importance of we must continue in the Scriptures. We must continue in the Word of God. And even as I talked about on Sunday in the Olivet Discourse, that Jesus says, here's the signs. And the first thing that he says to his disciples is, take heed, because there are many false, you know, Christ and Messiahs and teachers and prophets that are out there, and they're going to deceive many. And we see that even today. A lot of voices out there, a lot of deception that is out there that people get caught up in. It was interesting after Sunday, after the services, that there were some that came out and said, yeah, I got caught up in some of the things that you were talking about. We were deceived. And and they're so thankful to be able to come to a church that is teaching the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, from Genesis to Revelation. Here's the thing about teaching through the Bible. You see, when Sue and I first came to Greeley, we're praying about coming to you know, Greeley to start a church. It wasn't so much that we thought Greeley needed another church. Do you realize that there are more churches in Greeley per capita than there is in Fort Collins and Denver and Colorado Springs? And that surprised me because, you know, Colorado Springs is the Christian, you know, Mecca capital of, you know, of Western United States and all the parachurch uh, ministries that are there, that are headquarters there. But Greeley has more churches per capita than any of the front range cities. There's a lot of churches that are here and churches that God is using and, and Christians that love the Lord. But it wasn't so much that, that we wanted to start a church and teach from the Bible we wanted to teach through the Bible. 
And I think that's what made the ministry so unique to go through from Genesis to Revelation. And it was interesting when we first came that there are those who were even, you know, in some pastors and some of the ministries that are around saying, that's not going to work. You're going to fail. You're going to fall flat on your face. What do you mean, teach through the Bible? Do you going to teach through the book of Leviticus? You're going to teach through the Old Testament prophets? And, you know, you're going to teach through those books? Why are you teaching through the book of Revelation? I was told by some, you can't understand the book of Revelation. And what we had on our hearts is the Lord told us, teach the sheep chapter by chapter, book by book, go through it line upon line, precept upon precept. And I remember that there are times, I've told you this before, that even on Wednesday night, Wednesday night, we were wondering if anybody would come. I knew my family would come. But I remember waiting five minutes before seven, wondering if anybody was going to come. And two and three would come. And, and um, you know, and the Lord just told me, listen. Because I remember there was one night that really the Lord spoke to me. I, I was frustrated. And it was in this time when this whole Holy Ghost bartender, you know, holy new revival was going on and being drunk in the spirit in the 90s. And there was one particular church that, that had, you know, uh, the one who was really promoted it, meetings all week long at their church. And I went to one of the meetings to see what it was like, and I ended up leaving. But I remember it was just packed. And they would call me up and say, hey, you should bring, you know, your people and be a part of this and receive the anointing and all of this. And it's like, eh. And I remember that Wednesday night. It's a few minutes before seven, wondering if anybody was going to come. And I remember going back in one of the rooms that was for the kids. There was no kids there. And I remember just saying, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. Is there something else that I need to be doing? We were actually in the book of Leviticus at that time. (laughs) And I'm thinking, Lord, this isn't happening. And he spoke to me and he said, you be faithful to teach the word. I'll take care of the results. And from that time was a renewed, you know, commitment to just take you guys through the scriptures. And there's safety in that. You know, there are churches that do things that are just non-biblical, that are weird, and people get caught up in it. And I'm not tooting our horn, but if I introduce those things to this church, you guys would run me out. Because you have discernment, and you've been taught. So there's safety in going through the Word of God. And it was Paul the Apostle that would turn to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, And he said to them, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God's word. And we've gone through every book of the Bible, all 66 books. When we next time pick up the book of Isaiah and we finish the Old Testament, that'll be the second time that we've gone through the Bible here. And when we get done with the Old Testament, um, you know, last book of the Old Testament, uh, and we've done the New Testament, most of that on Sunday mornings, but when we get done with it, with Malachi, we're going to go right back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to start it all over again. If you don't know the word, you're going to be very confused in the day in which we're living in. So they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And you look at Peter, you know, when he preached on the day of Pentecost, he's quoting from Joel. He's quoting from the book of Psalms. 
And, and one of the things that I pray that on Sunday, going through the Olivet Discourse, is that when these things, like people are talking about Hurricane Harvey, this week, this Sunday, we're going to look at that paragraph. Luke is unique into where he interjects there Jesus' teaching and what's going to happen to Jerusalem. And then when we're done with that, we're going to see he's going to talk about the signs again, about the seas roaring, the perplexity of nations, and all of that. And in those points of discussion at your workplace or with family members or friends or something, you have truth to give to them. And you can give them hope, the hope of Jesus Christ. And you're going to be used to the Lord. I am thoroughly convinced that the Christian that's going to be used in the day in which we're living in is the one who knows the word of God. Who's going to love people and serve them and give them the truth of God's word. He wants to use you in that way. So I commend you coming out on Wednesday nights and continuing to come and learn. So that is one thing that they were steadfastly in, the teaching of the Word of God. And um, they did that faithfully. Uh, with the Word of God spreading in chapter 6, verse 7 of Acts, the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Whenever there's been true revival, it was the Word of God that was going forth. And it says that the Word of God was given and taught to the uh, the people and the number of disciples multiplied. Uh, again, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, uh, that Joshua was told, if you want to be successful and prosperous, then meditate on the word of God day and night. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Get it in your heart, speak it, live it, and you're going to be prosperous and successful in the best sense of the word. Um, and we're going to be successful as a church. Uh, I love that you guys bring your Bibles. You know, your Bibles are all, you know, falling apart and, you know, you're duct taping them up and all this stuff. I, I love to see that because the Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to a person who isn't falling apart. And in many churches today, because you guys tell me that because I'm always here, but people don't bring their Bibles anymore. So you keep bringing your Bibles you know, if you don't have a good Bible, we got some in the bookstore. You can get a good study Bible, the New King James, and um, we sell them at cost. But if you can't even do that, we'll get you a Bible. We'll get you a Bible. You can take one of the Bibles, or I will go in and I will, you know, make sure that we get you a good study Bible. That's how serious we are about getting you the Word of God. Second of all, they continue steadfastly in fellowship, koinonia. It more than just a social gathering, it's really knowing each other, fellowshipping um, based on love for one another. Um, it really is a great benefit to be a part of the body of Christ, and, and I pray that you feel that way. A lot of people don't have that. And what I pray is you don't have the mindset, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir in a sense because you guys are here, but sometimes Christians... They become loners. They, I don't need to be in church, and I don't want to be in fellowship. And we've made it easier, in a sense, for you not to be in fellowship when we uh, have live stream, when we have you know, the ability for you to just watch the teaching later, later. And I know it's a blessing because we have those who are elderly that can't make it when you're sick, when you're traveling. Um, if you're, you know, for whatever reason you can't get out, that is a tremendous blessing. Or, you know, your kids are sick and you got to be home and you got to watch the kids and stuff. 
But one of the things that what I pray is that um, that you would realize there is such blessing and benefit in being in fellowship and assembling with the, the people here that we as a church that we're loving one another. You know, it's hard out there, isn't it? And even on Sundays, we're going to talk about that persecution is going to come, Jesus said, to those disciples that he's talking to. And it's even going to come from family members and those who are relatives and close to you. And some of you have experienced that. Some of you have lost your family because you're a believer in Christ. And because you're committed to him or you've lost friends or you're an outcast at work. And it's a place here that I pray that we can come and really encourage each other and love each other. And you see, if you end up being a loner, because I know this can happen in in 21 years of being here and in 25 years of ministry that I've been involved in, that what happens is people can go to church for a while and then after a while it's like, I've been to church. And I've been in fellowship. And all of a sudden they start isolating themselves more. And that's when the enemy can really get at you. When you're isolated, when you're not with other believers. The benefit that we have to be able to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to lift each other up, you know, to really care for each other. And I know it's getting harder as we grow, but we need to just be ones reaching out to one another, being sensitive to one another. And, and I just appreciate how you guys really, the love that's here in this church. And, and I love being here. And, and I'm going to tell you that what a tremendous blessing has been for me personally and for my family to be a part of this church. It has been a tremendous privilege to pastor this church and the love that is here. There is a church in town, I won't say what it is, that it wasn't that long ago. The pastor went up and he said, I'm done. This is my last Sunday. I'm tired of the backbiting and and the pressure that's put on him and the criticism and all that. He stepped away. And I've never felt that in 21 years here. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody's, you know, been real nice to me at times. (laughs) But the love that's here, I've deeply appreciated and to my family. And I hope that you've been blessed in that way. We're not a perfect church. We never will be. But we can't be patient with one another, and we care for each other. Listen, what family is, is perfect? Is your family perfect? My family's not perfect. And when there's problems and there's issues, do so you just walk out and forget you? No. And we shouldn't do that really with the church. Now, I know the Lord will move people as... You know, perhaps that he's moving people to another church. I, I know there's those seasons and things like that. But to be patient and to care for each other and really pray for one another. You know, last week as we, you know, we're talking about the family, to really pray for parents and, and to pray for, you know, each other men. It, Lord, help us to be the priest of our homes. For, for women to come together and moms and and grandparents, and to be able to pray for those who are hurting, because we have people in this church that are hurting, that are really going through things and trials and difficulties. We have those who are battling health issues and cancer and sickness. 
that they can sense the love of Jesus Christ that is here and that we really care. That's what koinia is. It's more than just getting together and talking about the Broncos and the weather. That's all fine. But to be able to, to, when you see somebody coming in and you see their down, say, hey, how are you doing? And I know that takes place here. You know, what can I do for you? How can I pray for you? And I pray that continues to a greater degree. You know, Paul would write in the epistles oftentimes, he would write that may your love abound. I've heard of your love, but I pray that your love would abound even more. And that's my prayer for us here at the church, that we would just uh, really benefit from being together. And that's the command of Scripture. Don't forsake the assembly of ourselves, as is the matter of some, especially as you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord. We're seeing the day approach. So don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together. And we live is so much different than when we first started the church because there's so many activities that are out there. That's one of the reasons why I was committed to keep the Wednesday night service because people work on weekends. There's so many more activities that happen. You know, there's always something going on in sports and ball games and festivals and 5K races and all of this to really take us away. And I know that we're going to do some of those things. But be consistent in being in fellowship. And we want to be here to serve you. I see it as a privilege to serve you. The staff sees it as a privilege to serve you and to minister to you in the best that we can. And it does get harder as we grow. And it's getting harder for me to counsel everybody and to make all the hospital visits and do the services and stuff. And I'm not saying that as an excuse, but for us to come together as the body of Christ and to work in a way to we're all doing our part and using our gifts and encouraging one another and, and really taking care of one another is what we are to be doing. The third thing that we are to do is we are to be, uh, they were breaking bread. That's what they continue steadfastly, and that is communion. Remembering what the Lord did for us. And it's a time of, as we're going to come to the communion table, we usually do it on the first Wednesday and first Sunday of the month, but I thought tonight would be a good night to do it to really take a communion as we end this series, as we've been talking about a lot of things that I pray has been a blessing to you, as we spend some time praying tonight to come to the communion table to remember what the Lord has done for us. And we need to do that. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, that it's not just an exercise that we go through, but it's a time of reverence of what the Lord has done for us, a time of reflection in your own life. Because Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when he was writing to the Corinthian church, it was at a time to, he says, to examine your own hearts. Jesus has done so much for us. What he's provided so much. I remember that when I come to the communion table and remember this new covenant that I belong to. And so the fourth thing, there was the apostles' doctrine, the teaching of the word of God. There was fellowship, really caring for one another. Notice that it said they were given to each other as uh, they needed because there was great need at that time. They were ones that continued in breaking bread as they went from house to house. And then fourthly, Man, the early church was powerful because they continued in prayer. There is power in prayer. In chapter 4, they prayed for boldness. In chapter 12, they prayed for a miracle, Peter to be freed. There were times that they prayed and, and the whole place shook. And it was such an important priority in the early church. And I think for us here at Calvary Chapel, that prayer definitely has been 
you know, an important part of our church, the prayer chain. And, and we get prayer requests, thank you, you know, for praying because we've seen God work and move in people's lives. And so many of you are on the prayer chain. And, and, and I hope that when you read those prayer requests that you do take those things to the Lord and that we are praying for one another and we're praying for what the Lord has for us in this church because as we get bigger, there's more challenges. And, and here's the thing, that we want to make sure that we are praying because I really believe God wants to do so much more. I really do. You know, I was talking a couple of weeks ago. Some of you asked um, about... Um, you know, I mentioned about as we grow and, and looking at some possibilities as we grow and, and maybe buying some land or something. Um, one of the things that, that I did was just made a lot of phone calls, talked to a lot of people, probably drove them crazy, all the questions that I had. And it was good. And even last Friday, I went down to Colorado Springs to talk to um, a financial officer that lends to a lot of Calvary chapels, you know, um, is known for that. Just a really neat brother. Um, Some of the guys that I know that have expanded their churches have used him. And when I went in, he said, I commend you. And listen, I'm not the sharpest knife in the cupboard, all right? But when I went in, he said, I commend you because in my years of lending money, I've never had a pastor talk to brokers, you know, realtors, talk to builders, had a meeting with the city, the planners, and everything just went, you know, kind of over my head of, you know, can we build? What do we have to do? And all these terms. And I said, man, this is overwhelming. And one of them looked at me and said, if you start to build... You haven't seen anything yet. To go down and talk to him, he said, I've never seen that. So you've been wise in doing this. And in a multitude of counsel, there is safety. That's just what the Lord spoke to me. So I'm asking these questions. And he also said that you're, in my six years being here in Colorado, probably the healthiest church I've ever seen financially and spiritually. It, now, it doesn't mean that we have $10 million, all right? Don't think that. But he says you, you have a budget. You stay within that budget. You run a tight ship, you know. You, you, you are, you know, being wise in the finances that you're using. And so he began to talk to me what it means to really build. And there's all these numbers that get thrown out. The bottom line is this. We were able to get all that information without spending a dime in the meetings and stuff, and getting questions. And I, you know, I don't have all the answers to it, but I do know this. If you, you know, he said, this is what happens 99% of the time. The church thinks, here's some land, we can get it cheap, and then they'll spend $60,000 on drawings, and then they'll come and see me. And then they feel like they have to make it happen. So, you know, it was good that the Lord directed us in that area. And I'll tell you what, building is expensive. (laughs) It's very expensive. And one of the things I don't want to do is I don't want this ministry ever to be about buildings and projects and things like that. So we're going to stay put for a while, all right? And we're going to keep praying. And 
we're going to see what the Lord does because there are other options. You know, we haven't examined them all, and we can always add services. So get used to it being crowded, all right? And if you really want room, come to 8 o'clock service. And we're just going to keep being wise and discerning, but we're going to stay the course because these four things that we just talked about, I want that to be the priority. And what happens is, and I've talked to pastors about, and he reiterated that, is then all of a sudden it becomes about building. It becomes about, you know, you're in debt. You know, we're a debt-free church. We have been, and we're saving money. And, and there's a certain amount that we put away, that we put away that goes to missions, and that does not get touched. But what happens is churches get in such a crunch, they start going into that. They start compromising the message because they want to keep the people. It's very stressful. They're in debt for years. They, they, you know, they're always talking about building you know, funds and all of this. And maybe some of you come out of that. I don't want that to be a part of this ministry. If that makes me a bad pastor, it makes me a bad pastor. But there are empty chairs. And it gets crowded. And we can be sensitive to one another. You know, when a family comes in that's new and you're out in a coffee shop, you know, make some room for them. If you're at a table by yourself, you know, things like that to scoot in. It gets crowded in the hallway to, to take care of the elderly because we are very healthy. We got young people coming to older people to really be sensitive in that way. But we're going to stay the course. And the verse that the Lord has given to me, he gave it to me a couple of years ago, and it hasn't changed when it comes to expanding, when it comes to growing. And, and the ministry is growing. And I don't think we've seen anything yet. I think there are a lot of people that are hungry, and they're listening to us, and they're coming. And Sunday when people came out of the service, they're going, whoa. We never heard a teaching like that. We never heard a teaching on end times like that. So there are those who are hungry and desiring to know the truth of God's word. But the verse that he gave to me is when there was revival going on in Judah, when Hezekiah was the leader. And it says that the hand of the Lord was on Judah and there was a singleness of heart. Listen, when the Lord provides, and he will, that we're going to look at it and we're going to say this is good. This is right. And we're going to live by where God guides, he provides. He, he's not broke. And if he's bringing the people, I said, Lord, then you're responsible, all right? We're going to take care of them, you know, but you are going to provide for us to be able to hold these people. If we had to add services and stuff, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to do it responsibly, and we're going to do it in a way that isn't a burden on this church. I'm not going to have thermometers. I'm not going to pester you with a lot of information, you know, and pamphlets and, you know, passing a basket around for the first time for building projects and all this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But we're going to watch the Lord provide, and however he does that. And we're going to look at it and say, this is good, Lord. And it's going to be not only a testimony to us, but it's going to be a testimony to this community of waiting on the Lord. I really believe that, folks. But here's the thing I want to follow up with. Will you be praying? I think the biggest danger to this church right now is complacency. It's the biggest danger for me as a pastor 
I've been in full-time ministry for 25 years. I was ordained in 1992. And I can be at the point of my ministry where I can say, I'm going to kick back and I'm going to kind of put it in cruise control. And I know that if I do that, it's going to trickle down to this church. And I've seen what's happened to the death that's led to the death spiritually of a lot of churches is things were good, things were fine, and all of a sudden they became very complacent. And they became complacent to where they took it for granted what God was doing what he had provided. Not doing it on purpose, but just very subtly falling into that. And the Bible warns a lot about becoming dull and becoming cold of heart and being carried away to to things that really don't matter. We need to take heed. We need to be careful. So I'm asking you to pray, to pray for me. To pray for endurance, pray for strength, to pray for the staff. Please don't take it for granted what the Lord is doing here. Are you praying for us? Are we praying for you? Are we praying for each other? And this staff that I have here is is wonderful. I love the staff here. They are the greatest group of people and the volunteers and you guys being committed to volunteering. But when I hear, like I've heard a few times, people say, oh, I love Calvary Chapel. You guys don't care if you give money, you know, or whatever. I, I sense a little bit of complacency and I don't see who gives here. But the Lord doesn't want us to just get complacent. And take for granted what God is doing here. Here's my plans. I plan on staying behind this pulpit as long as you guys would have me. Been here 21 years. I pray for another 21 years. The Lord gives me strength. I have no plans to go anywhere else. Greeley is my home. God has called me to Greeley. As long as you guys, you know, um, trust me in the position of a pastor, I'm going to be here. And I'm going to be committed to teach the Word of God and to do my best to make sure you're the best loved, best fed sheep in Greeley, in northern Colorado, anywhere. So that's what my desire is. And not to grow complacent, because I could do that. But my prayer is every day, Lord, you want to continue the work. And there's a lot of people out there that need us. And they need this church. And they need to hear the gospel. And they need to sense the love of Jesus Christ as they come here. And you have opportunity to be a part of that. Those kids, your kids are so precious. To be able to invest in them. What it, there's no greater investment, I think. And one of the fruits that I see is being a pastor is I get to see over 21 years from the kids grow up, become teenagers, they become adults, and they get married. Now they're having kids. And it's such a privilege to be a part of that. And our youth, and they're growing up, and it's a tough world out there, and they're facing temptations and difficulties, and the enemy's coming against them at a greater degree than ever before. That we would really, you know, pray for families as we talked about last week. I know I emphasize, you know, the family and, and kids. And for guys, for you guys, 
you know, my heart is that you become the priest of your family. And I want to pray for you and the men's study and to be able to, you know, encourage each other in that. And for moms that are raising their children as well and, and um, the responsibilities that you have, moms. And also, not only for you married couples, but also for the singles that are here. Listen, I didn't really address them last week. But for you who are single, you have a very special place in the body of Christ and you can be used and that we here need to encourage them and bless them. And there are those in a single state, they're single for whatever reason may be, they're single parents. I got so much respect for you because you have a difficult, difficult ministry as you are alone or raising your children in the ways of the Lord and we need to support them. And there are those who have chosen to be single. They're happy in that state. And we don't want to make them feel like they're not an important part of the body of Christ. You have an important part. And Paul, he says that being married is good, but also being single is good. And you have a very special opportunity to be able to make it a priority to serve the Lord in that way. So encourage them. Don't make them feel like, oh, you're single and you feel sorry for them. No, encourage them and bless them. And for you who are single, who desire to be married someday, it's not so much trying to find the right person to marry. It's also the equation, which is even more important, is waiting for the right person. One of the things that I want to do is encourage the young guys, grow up. And grow up and be responsible. And learn to be leaders in your home and future leaders. So those are opportunities that we have to minister to people that come in with all kinds of different backgrounds and different states that they're in. And people who are coming in, they they know nothing about nothing about the Bible. And we have opportunity to put our arms around them and to minister to them and be patient to them and invest in them. Can we keep praying? We live in a very unique time and a special day that we can minister to so many people. And I don't want to get complacent. I don't want to pastor a church that is full of complacency. And I don't believe that's going to happen here. But we need to continue to exhort each other. Let's move forward, all right? Can we do that? It's really be engaged in encouraging one another, blessing one another, fellowship, breaking bread, in the word of God, praying for one another, those four things, and they turn the world upside down. And we'll turn this community upside down, really upside right, because it is already upside down, so messed up. The world today, we need to turn it upside right. And let's engage, and let's be in prayer. Four things. It isn't all the programs and politics and promoters and carnivals and dancing bears. and Please, it's not entertaining. I'm not going over the latest book. We're going to go over this book, all right? We're going to go over this book. So they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. Praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Father, we pray for revival. We pray that, Lord, we would be about these four things. And I thank you for what you've done here at Calvary Chapel Greeley. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the love that's here. I thank you for so many who are supportive. And, Lord, just a tremendous blessing. We never want to take anyone for granted. I thank you for... Lord, those who come involved in worship and Travis and the worship team and the guys who are willing to take a whole Sunday and Wednesday night in the sound booth. I thank you for those who are with the children ministering to them as the classrooms are full. I thank you for those who are in the nursery as we've had so many little ones. What a privilege it is for those to be able to hold them, sing to them, Speak scripture and love into their their little hearts, even though they may not fully understand it. I thank you for those who are ministering to the youth and investing in them. And, and I thank you for the young adults and the singles that are here. I thank you for families that are here. And I just lift up the families once again. The Lord that this would be a place where you can be encouraged and blessed in every way and benefited. I thank you for what you're doing in those who are older, who have wisdom, that are a blessing to me just to be able to sit and talk with them. Those who have been a part of this community and business leaders and worked all their lives and, and just to to be able to pick their ear. I thank you for those who have tremendous gifts that use them to bless people in this church. I thank you for those who are committed to pray. And Lord, I do pray for those who are hurting and sick and have need, Lord, that you would work on their behalf and bring healing to those who are going through treatment of cancer, going through difficulties that challenges that are hurting physically. I pray for those who are hurting emotionally, spiritually, going through trials and difficulties in their lives, that this would indeed is be a hospital for them, to be able to come and hear about the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, and they begin to heal and be encouraged and uplifted, that we would open up our eyes and that we would see others the way that you see them. And Lord, whatever you have for us as church, as far as expanding more people, Lord, we're going to get use our Sunday mornings. We're going to maximize our resources and Wednesday nights. But from there, I, we just leave it to you for you to show us and provide for us. We don't have to strain and strive and make things happen. We're just going to, to wait on you. And we're going to watch you work. But Lord, may we never take for granted what you've done in bringing this church family together, Calvary Chapel Greeley. And Lord, it's all based on Jesus. And now we come to the communion table. And as we hold the elements in our hands, that we would truly just be at awe and reverence that we come together as a body in this new covenant because of what Jesus Christ did for us. So, Lord, bless this time as we now just have the communion elements handed out and we partake of it together. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Fathers, it's just such great joy I have in my heart. What a blessing that Jesus came and would die for somebody like me, for, for us, that we have hope. May we always keep our eyes on the things above. Rejoice every day, even though we may go through trials and difficulties and loss and hurt challenges so great a salvation that we have because Jesus allowed his body to be broken and his blood shed for for forgiveness of sin we are indeed uniquely 
blessed, the most blessed people in the world because we belong to another kingdom. And this world is going to go away. But we're going to live with you forever in a kingdom that's going to be established forever because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and died for us. That's the basis of why we're here. And that love that you proved to us, dying for us while we were yet sinners, may cause that joy deep down in our hearts despite what the world throws at us. So as Paul said, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me let's take the cup together for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes Lord you're going to come back for us you promise you would you are even, even as we're going to be reminded on Sunday, Jesus said, when you begin to see these things come to pass, look up and rejoice for your redemption draws near. But also you told us, until you come back in that parable of the mind, it's occupied till I come. We don't want to get complacent. We don't want to get lazy in our own lives and with our families and raising our kids. And in this church, and what we do at work, being a light but Lord every day looking for an opportunity to be led by you and Lord to reach out and and I thank you again for what you've done here at this church I thank you for so many who've been faithful to pray and support and be here and encourage the ministry serving in so many different ways I thank you for the different Bible studies that take place all during the week I thank you for most excellent way on Monday nights and this family that you put together we are a family and may the love that is here bound more and more in your grace and in your mercy and in your goodness so Lord may we leave this place rejoicing in great things you have done knowing that you want to do so much more the best is yet to come. I pray for a revival. I pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in this community. We be used for that. We'd be a light to others. And Lord, that we would be about these things that we talked about, making them a priority in the life of this church. Take everyone home safely tonight, Lord, as we gather again on Sunday. I thank you that we have the opportunity to do that. And Meantime, bless everyone our day tomorrow. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't he? All right, why don't you stand?